Welcome to another episode of the Two Guys One Topic podcast. I'm Ollie. And I'm Liam. And for those of you that don't know, that intro took us three attempts. But for any of our new listeners, each episode, we take a topic that we know very little about and give ourselves a week to read and research all about it, with the idea being that we share what we feel are the most important pieces of information with you, the listeners. Yes, that's exactly what we do. And so everybody knows we are not experts in anything that we talk about on the pod. This is just a summary of our findings. Hopefully, by sharing some knowledge with you all, we can all learn a little bit more about a whole lot of things. Yeah, exactly. Right, let's get on with this week's pod. This week's topic is sleep. So then, Liam, this week, our topic is sleep. What we do every week is we just give our thoughts about what we thought we knew before we got into the research. So what were your thoughts before getting into it? It's funny sleep because we all do it for, you do it for like a third of your life, don't you? If you sleep yes. eight hours a day, that's, you know, you're doing 20, 30 years worth of sleeping, but I don't really know much about it. And, you know, I know I've been turning my blue light on my phone, uh, on my, um, my Kindle. You can turn on sleep mode so it goes orange because that's supposed to make yep. you sleep better. Um, I always try and go to bed at the same time. Um, no caffeine before bed, things like that. But, yeah, I don't really know much about, like, the, the process or why we sleep or what happens when we sleep. So it was really interesting to find those things out. What about nice. Um, Yeah, pretty similar. Like, yeah, thinking about it, how often we sleep and then knowing very little about why you actually do it. I'd heard some of the terms about like REM sleep or you you go into like REM, but mm-hmm. I don't really know what, what that means. Um, and so, yeah, it was just good to to get into the topic. And I definitely feel like I know a lot more about sleep and why we do it. It's funny though, isn't it? Because do you really know a lot more? Because do scientists actually know a lot about sleep? That's actually a really, really good point. And that is probably the best place for us to start this week's pod. So let's let's get into it then and say there's still a lot that is unknown about the purpose of why we actually sleep, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It seems everything we've read, or everything I've read for certain, it all starts with there is evidence to suggest it might be this, but then you read something else and there yeah. might be evidence to suggest it's something else. Yeah, um, and they, I think, it's widely accepted that it probably isn't just for, there isn't probably just one explanation as to why we sleep. And it's probably necessary for quite a few biological reasons. Yeah. So there are, we came up with like four, didn't we? We found um, like, why do we sleep? One of them is an evolutionary thing, isn't it? It's called inactivity theory. And the theory goes something along the lines of we sleep at night because way back in the day when you used to hunt, you couldn't hunt at night so your body would rest up and shut down and that's why you would sleep at night because you couldn't be out hunting and gathering hunting is not a word hunting and gathering um during uh during the night time and that's why you would sleep and so that that was one theory wasn't it yep yeah exactly there was another one that we came across called energy conservation theory and that is mainly the function of reducing your the energy demands on your body compared to how much energy you exert in the day and then you're actually less efficient at night so they've done some tests on this and they they say that your metabolism decreased by up to 
when you're sleeping. Um, so it's yeah. yeah, it's very much that energy conservation. Yeah, along a similar line is one that probably we all, I think you might know this a little bit more, is it's called restorative theory that your body basically fixes itself at nighttime. Yeah. And that is when, um, you know, you just muscle gets repaired, tissue growth, um, protein synthesis, these sorts of things. And they can actually, like, scientists can can track that. They know that that does happen. Um so you know that that is a a theory these theories might all be one and the same mightn't they you know they're probably all linked together yeah and then Um, another one which is more brain related so rather than just the rest of your body repairing itself on that restorative theory there's another one called brain plasticity theory nice And, (laughs) and this is where that the theory is that it's sleep is necessary for you to organize your thoughts um for that re reorganization of your your neural pathways making sense of what it is you've come up throughout the day putting some structure you know more like almost filing things away in your brain um and just then that allows you to learn things and then the, the brain to develop because you've mm-hmm. organized it mm-hmm. yeah so it is worth pointing out though if you're listening you know they are not nailed down 100 percent that's nope. the reason that we sleep. It's just they are theories that are put forward that are generally well accepted, but there's not really much evidence to back them. No, um, no, no, no. And it, yeah, like you say, it's definitely not the exhaustive list. There are other things, but I think they're the they're the ones that we just kept coming across and um, seem to make the, the most sense for us. Yeah. And then it sort of then led us on to the, the actual, like, why why do we sleep then? Like, what what is it that that happens that actually puts us to sleep. Yeah, biologically, isn't it? It's, yeah. I went down a little, this is this week's rabbit hole for me. It's called something called the, your body's circadian rhythm, which in Latin, the word circadian comes from circa diem, which means around the day. And it's basically what pe- people say it and you, you don't, it's, got, it's your body clock. Yeah. It's, you, we do have a body clock. Your body is running um, around 24 hours a day and this rhythm of your body uh, it works off of the difference between light and day tends to your body works like that. And as your body sees lots of light, your body knows to stay awake and keep you alert. We show increased levels of alertness and energy. As it gets dark, your body will release a hormone called melatonin that prepares you for sleep. Yes. And that is done by a, a particular part of the brain called the hypothalamus. Nice. And the, the hypothalamus is a, is a super old part of the brain and it's just something that has has been there for years and years in terms you know for forever in terms of humans again going back to that that theory um that that Leah mentioned the inactivity theory that humans would then rely on the sun and so they would then be awake during the day and then come the night time so as soon as it starts going dark that melatonin yeah really kicks in and then it makes you fall asleep. It also, you know, not just sleep, this this circadian rhythm, this body clock, it, it also it changes your appetite through the day and how much energy you can expend. You'll, you'll feel that you have much more energy, like early in the morning, perhaps, or later in the afternoon. Um, and other, bod- uh, other processes just to keep your body functioning. All those things that happen throughout the day is just your body clock working. You know, at this time of the day, my body does this. And at this time, my body does that. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's light in and out that that makes you fall asleep. 
I, I read something interesting about people with total blindness. They often have trouble sleeping because they're not able to detect and respond to the light cues as okay. well as people who do have sight and yeah, yeah. their brain in terms of then yeah, natural light waking themselves up. And then as it gets darker, melatonin is, is um, released. Very, very similarly to that, newborns suffer the same problem. Because you will know if you've had, we've had babies, you know they, you know when they're brand new, they don't sleep for toffee, and when they do, it's all over the shop. And the reason, <laughs> the actual reason is they can't tell the difference between light and day until yep. they're approximately three months old. Yep. So their body, their clock, their body clock is not working at this point because there are no there are no light cues because they can't tell the difference. Yeah, no, um, that, that makes sense. And then how does how does that then change as you get older? So, you know, dread the day when our kids become teenagers. Um, <laughs> we all know teenagers get grumpy. Teenagers experience a shift in their circadian rhythm. It's called a sleep phase delay. And basically what happens is their body, they, they genuinely don't get tired until much later in the night because their body doesn't release mel- melatonin until 10, 11, even 12 o'clock. Wow. So, okay. So, so they genuinely don't fall asleep until later, which means when they then have all their sleep that they need, you know, eight, nine hours, they're sleeping till eight, nine a.m. So getting them up for school at seven, no wonder it's a problem. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. then adults generally, it comes back, you know, by, by the time you're an adult, you know, it re, I don't know, fixes itself, I guess. Yeah, you sort of get get back into the, the rhythm and your, your melatonin levels and everything all sort of balance out for as it is that you need to work. Okay, now that's good. After... After reading about the circadian rhythm, it sort of led me on to like what actually happens when you're asleep. And I just thought it might be interesting for us to, I don't know if you had a little look into this as well. Like, yeah, what what actually happens? What happens to your body? Because it seems to undergo like a series of changes and there are different stages of, of sleep. Yeah. This is something I thought I knew about, really, to be honest. You know, when you hear about, you know, you're this, you cycle through these stages throughout the night. Um, I'd heard this before, but yeah, there are four stages, aren't there, of actual sleep. So do we want to go one for one? So stage one is basically, the, it's called the, the dozing off stage, if you like. Um, your body hasn't relaxed, but your brain activity starts to slow. This can take about five minutes. It's not really a very long stage at all. You're, you're just about asleep, but you've only just fallen asleep. Yeah. Um, the second stage is that's just characterized by deeper sleep. And as your, your heart rate and your breathing rates continue to slow down and the muscles become more relaxed, um, you, your body temperature would also start to decrease. And that's yep. actually one of the reasons why people stick their feet out of the end of the bed. So anybody listening who they like to feel a little bit cooler. You stick your feet out the end of the bed because your, your body actually wants to cool down a little bit. And so this is in stage two, your, your brain activity starts to decrease. And it's, it's actually the typically the longest of the four stages. And you spend about half your sleep in this stage as well, don't you? Yeah. So, you know, cause you do cycle through these. So stage three is known as deep sleep. This is when you're seriously relaxed your breathing rate has decreased even further. Experts believe, but again, we, we're coming back to, you know, there's, they believe, some experts believe that this stage is critical to restorative sleep, allowing for bodily recovery and growth through the production of growth hormones. Um, and it may also bolster the immune system and other key bodily processes. Yep. 
Yeah, that, that all makes sense. So, this so is the, the three, three stages that we've mentioned so far, they're all known as non-REM or N-R-E-M, non-REM. Yeah. And then the fourth stage, and this is comes back to what I said, I thought I had some idea about, you know, before I started to research this. So this is your stage four is your REM stage or the rapid eye movement stage. And this, this typically occurs after about 90 minutes after you fall asleep. And this is where your eyes will move back and forward really quickly under your eyelids. I don't know if you've ever seen this happen to anybody. It looks a little bit freaky when you see yeah. this. It's happening. But at this point, your, your breathing rate, your heart rate, your blood pressure, they will actually begin to increase. So we've been speaking before in stages one to three, everything's producing slower yeah. here. Things start to increase. And then this is the stage where you have dreaming and your body, your arms and legs, they'll actually be paralyzed. Yeah, you suffer something called atonia, which is the temporary paralysis of your muscles. The only exceptions to that are your eyes, because they're obviously moving, and all of the muscles that control the breathing. I'm not, what was yeah. that called? It's called atonia, which is oh, the temporary paralysis of the muscles. But that's pretty crazy, isn't it, to think yeah. that like, you are no, I like that. I didn't, paralyzed. I, I didn't come across that one. I read one of the reasons why we have that temporary paralysis is because it's believed it's to stop you from acting physically acting out your dreams which is um yeah pretty interesting which is true unless you suffer from something called rem sleep behavior disorder which okay. is essentially where you do not be paralyzed during your sleep and as you are dreaming you're acting them out which is it, it, i wrote this down somewhere you physically act out vivid often unpleasant dreams with vocal sounds and sudden often violent arm and leg movements <laughs> Yep. I know some people, I know some funny stories of people coming up with these, yeah, rapid movements and um, waking is, up I, and people next to them. I read this um, somewhere though. Uh, it says the purpose of REM sleep remains a biological mystery. Despite our growing understanding of its biochemistry and neurobiology. So like our, why, why it helps our brains, I guess, and our, the yep. chemistry of our body, like biologically, nobody really knows why it happens. Yeah. And it also, read that the duration of REM sleep or that REM stage will decrease as you get older. So okay. it, it means you spend, you spend more of your time in the non-REM stages. And so we, we've got four stages that we've mentioned here. And I, I didn't know this. I don't think I, I knew this until we started getting into it, that you actually cycle through these different stages throughout the yeah. night, don't you? Yeah. Uh, what is it? Every 90 to 120 minutes? Yeah. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just on repeat so so I guess I don't know the answer to this um, spoiler alert we do have a good interview coming up though don't we yes um, yeah, we do. so we might be able to find this out I, I've I thought that you know if, if you have to wake up you should wake up at the end of a cycle of sleep yes yeah, so, yeah, if, yeah. You, so if you're gonna have a nap you want it to be somewhere between 90 and 120 minutes because that means you've had a complete cycle of sleep yes uh, I don't know if that's true feel free to let us know somebody yeah, no, that yeah, like you say, you hear like, oh yeah, thirty minute naps good for you, or a forty five minute nap, or whatever. But yeah, you've mm -hmm. not gone through all of your stages. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, so what happens if you if you don't sleep? Yeah. You, um, it... Start. We started reading about doing. We read messages like, we better have a read about sleep deprivation or or what happened. Basically, what happened or what happens when you do sleep because it doesn't happen when you don't sleep. That sort of thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So this is, this is coming back to, so the, the, the general consensus in terms of how much sleep you need 
from anyone from the age of 18 to 60, it's between seven and nine hours. That was yep. right, isn't it? Yep. Yep. And I read that, that again, there is evidence, late, some evidence lately to suggest seven is more appropriate than nine. Okay. I don't know how true that is, but I'd read but The things, yeah, but it, basically people will probably know this, but your body, if you don't have seven hours of sleep on a regular basis, it will probably lead to some poor health consequences for you. And you'll have a hard time functioning properly. And it's actually long-term under seven hours of sleep is linked to quite a number of different health problems. Yep. Yeah. Mental well-being, particularly depression. Um, yeah. Anxiety. Diabetes. You have a bad mood. Yeah. And yeah, these things, I guess, yeah, they can track this, can't they? They can, I guess they can track that these people have not slept very much and they have this condition. So is one linked to the other? They know that when you sleep, one thing they do know is when you sleep, your body produces something called um, leptin, which is a chemical that makes you feel full. So if you don't sleep, your body doesn't produce it and therefore you wake up hungry. Yep. So they do know that there is a link between sleeping and weight gain or perhaps obesity. I, I don't know if it's that extreme, but basically if you sleep better, you will lose weight or stay slim yep. or. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And then there, there are other things sort of coming back to those first four theories that we spoke about is if you're regularly not getting enough sleep, then you end up having a weakened immune system. So you're obviously then more susceptible to coughs and colds and, you know, feeling unwell in general, because you're not doing that restorative theory of repairing yourself and making yourself nice and strong again. Um, yeah. So it actually has a negative effect of, of weakening your immune yeah. system. Other things, um, lower testosterone, like your body's producing all these hormones when you're sleeping, your brain is yeah. doing it. So if you're not sleeping, then it's not happening as much. So there's lower testosterone, which can reduce sex drive. It can reduce fertility, did you know? Because your body no. does not secrete the reproductive hormones that you need or as many as you need. So, you know, if, if anyone's trying for a baby out there, get some sleep on. <laughs> it seems a bit then, counterproductive, doesn't it? And then, yeah. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then that's, so that's if you, if you don't sleep, sort of the impacts on your body. But then there's, you know, just some of those more realities about, you know, the lack of sleep is also associated with the increased risk of injury in both adults and, and children, you know, in, in terms of, you know, driver drowsiness uh -huh. um, adds to like serious car accidents, you know, potential death. If you are running on too little sleep on too frequent a basis. One of the more, I don't know what the word is, one of the latest, I guess, reasons for lack of sleep is blue light, isn't it? Yeah. Did you do some reading about that? Blue light is essentially phones, isn't it? Screen time. Yeah, your yeah, your 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 smartphone, tablet, computer, TV, it's mainly phones, I think. It it emits blue light and that's an artificial color and it it's it's sort of mimicking mimicking daylight and yeah. it is there something to do with it that it, it operates on a at a different wavelength. Yeah, your body, your eyes aren't very good at blocking out blue light because of the wavelength of blue. So if you all the colors of the spectrum of the sky, that's why the sky is blue. You know, things like that, because yep. the blue, not not because we see it, but just because blue light is on a different wavelength. So, uh, yeah. So as you look at a screen, it's emitting this blue light at you. So your brain is thinking that it's daylight 
and therefore not producing melatonin and therefore not sending you to sleep. That's basically why that's actually why. So, yeah, and it's, it, this is, yeah, it's, it's messing up your circadian rhythm that we were yeah. saying was so important earlier on. Yeah. Your brain is screaming at you that it's daytime and you're trying to go to sleep, but it's yeah. because you've just sat looking at a screen, which it has interpreted as daylight. Yeah. And then that that then gets amplified as well. If anybody's listened here, they've woken up in the middle of the night for whatever reason, and then they've checked their phone. Not only like the, the multiple reasons of why oh, yeah. it's bad to look at your phone, because you get this blue light, which goes into your, your eyes and into your brain. And then your body thinks it's daytime because it, this blue light mimics daylight. But the other thing is you're then starting to mentally stimulate yourself. If you're starting scrolling through social media or you're like responding to messages or checking like work email or something, then you then start to stimulate your brain and your brain starts to think that it's daytime. And so, yeah, just that, that blue light is, is really, really bad for you. So we talked about not having good sleep and all the things that can happen. You know, there are ways to get a better sleep though, aren't there? Yeah, and, um, you know, so we probably all know them, but it's worth saying what they are. Just, you know, one of the most obvious ones, avoid caffeine. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> well, caffeine yeah, late. Avoid, avoid caffeine late on, I guess, yeah. is, the, is, is the thing there. Not, not just a, a blanket, don't have caffeine. Yeah, avoid caffeine late. You know, try and stay off your screen, stay off your phone just as you're approaching bedtime. Yeah, um, some, some things where I was reading, make your, wherever you sleep, a screen-free zone. And I've read so many times, this is just not being on your phone 30 minutes before you actually then want to go to sleep. Yeah. Because that then gives you enough time for your your brain to then regulate itself to then start to to enter sleep. Um, But yeah, so if you you can make sure you're you're off your phone 30 minutes before you go to sleep. Yeah, I wrote down, make your room, uh, create a room for sleep. So you avoid bright lights, you avoid loud sounds, you avoid blue light screens, things like that. Um, keep it at a comfortable temperature. Uh, one thing I thought was pretty good, don't lie in bed awake. You know, if you're trying to go to sleep, yep. get up, do something else until you feel tired. Yeah. Your body will shut you down. If it's dark around, if it's all dark all outside and stuff, you will start feeling sleepy because biologically that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it, you know, just a an interesting view of looking at it, which probably not as many people have this view, is treat sleep as if it's as important as taking medicine yeah. that is super important for your brain for your body um, yeah. but it's it's so easy for us to try and like burn the candle at both ends for us to you know work really hard in the day party at night and then be up again and then try and do it all over again the next day and yeah, yeah it, you should just try and yeah try and treat sleep as um as, as part of a really important part of your daily routine another thing is about just keeping consistent wasn't it keeping consistent with your going yeah. to bed and your waking up time yeah so your body clock basically will your body clock does adjust it will it will adjust to things and stimulus around you and if it's used to happening at this time it will it will change obviously there are things that will put out of whack like traveling and you know if you go over time zones yep. and stuff it will get all shot but yeah generally if you can avoid if you can get some sort of um consistency going yeah uh, you know go to bed at this time every night yep. get up at this time every day uh, and also try and yeah like you're saying try and relax before bed so, so one of the pieces of advice was like 
have a warm bath. Or... Mate, I love a warm bath. I am all about baths at the minute. <laughs> I had to Google it. It's not good enough to be a topic why you have bubbles in a bath. It's to keep the heat in the bath. <laughs> so it's, um, it's yeah, have, have a warm bath and just make some downtime. Like, don't, don't be watching the latest action movie just before going to bed because it will get your brain whirling, have a relax, and then get yourself, you know, nice and ready to sleep. One final thing, though. There, there was a guy, though, that... that did not follow any of these rules, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah. And there's some, it's almost like what happens if we don't have enough sleep and like the, the, the consequences of huge sleep deprivation. Yeah. There's um, um, the world record for staying awake is 11 days, isn't it? Which is nuts. 11 days. And not only that, how old was he? Do you know? No, I didn't know. I don't know that. 17. Wow. So there's um, the, the two high school students in 1964 were basically there to come up with a science project. So they decided, we'll just see how long we can stay awake. That'd be like a, for a, I don't know, a, yeah, a high school science fair or something. Yep. Um, and they tossed a coin between them to see who would stay awake, one and one, and then they'd stay awake. And after three days, the other guy realized that he was having trouble staying awake to keep the other guy awake. <laughs> So they had to get in a third guy. <laughs> yeah, 11 days though. Uh, it's, it's unsure or it's, we're unclear exactly how long humans can survive without sleep. But they know that what starts happening to you is pretty severe. severe. By having sleep deprivation, even after three or four nights without sleep, you can seriously start to hallucinate you have massively reduced cognitive ability, even where you then start developing speech impediments. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, it can be some pretty scary stuff that starts happening to your brain just by constantly working. They, they At one point during this um, experiment, apparently they asked the guy, his name's Randy Gardner, if you want to Google the story, they asked him to start counting backwards from 100 in sevens. So he went 193. 86 he got to 65 and then he had to ask they asked why he'd stop he said he'd forgotten what he was doing <laughs> <laughs> he must have only been doing it for five seconds so uh yeah but then wow. but he then went to bed after the 11 days went to bed um he slept for just over 14 hours and pretty much was fine almost after that after one sleep he had one decent sleep for 14 hours yeah and then almost within like one or two days after that sleep patterns all revert to normal he claims to have no long-term um issues but yeah at the time yes. like you said, there were some serious problems yeah uh, wow yeah and just shows like how how important it is how how important it is and to have that regular sleep um and then yeah you can then write yourself pretty quickly afterwards yeah I have loved doing this, but we got we got a takeaway. We got anything you want to tell someone? Got something interesting to say? Yes, I I'd heard somewhere about fighter pilots and about their ease of falling asleep, and it sent me off down researching this. And I just thought, oh, this would be quite an interesting takeaway. So for my two guys, one topic takeaway is a story that in World War II, the U.S. military they had somebody develop a scientifically designed method of falling asleep. It was a guy called Bud Winter, and he was an American football coach, and he'd worked with psychology people helping train athletes to work better under pressure. But what he came up with 
was for fighter pilots, after just six weeks of practice, 96% of pilots could fall asleep within 120 seconds. So two minutes. And that was even with distractions of gunfire in the background, if they drank coffee or even if they were sitting up. So this technique. So the key thing I think is remembering that this was after six weeks of practice, but if these fighter pilots are able to fall asleep in a war zone or whatever you, then it should probably be able to work for most other people. Might have to do you want me to, do you want me to let you know what it is, what, what you came up with, what Bud Winter came I, up with? I haven't got six weeks to practice it, but go on. <laughs> well, I probably should give a warning, actually. This, this sounds like pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, if you're listening to this while you're driving, <laughs> if you're on your commute, maybe yeah. just take one earphone out or something just in case. <laughs> so, if, um, yeah, if anyone's having trouble sleeping at the moment, replay this back, this part of the pod whenever you need it, and just remember. So, it's five stages. One, get into a comfortable position. Pretty much right. makes sense. So what the pilots did is they would, they trained sitting up, they put their hands on their lap, but for most people it'd be getting into bed and um, just getting yourself nice and relaxed. Stage two, relax in your face. And apparently this is the key to the whole thing. So you've got 43 muscles in your face and they're a big part of how your body knows if you're stressed or not. And if you're fully relaxed in your face, it sends physiological messages to your brain to say, I'm safe. It's time for me to go to sleep. So you relax your face, your forehead, cheeks, tongue, jaw, just let it all go slack. Then you then move on to your upper body. So you physically drop your shoulders, let them go heavy, make sure like you're feeling limp, start doing long breathing, long breaths. And then start to relax your arms. Start If you're predominantly right-handed, start from your right side, your bicep, your forearm, your fingers, and then work down the other side. So you're just basically relaxing everything with slower breathing. Then I'm asleep here. Hang on. Stage four. This is where you then move on to your legs. So you then start again on your right-hand side, relax all down your right-hand side, quads, calves, feet, then go on to your, your left-hand side. And so you should be fully relaxed, really slow breathing at this point. And then what you do is you clear your mind for 10 seconds. So he came up with something for people to think of. And it was, imagine that you're lying in a canoe on a really flat lake out in the middle of nowhere on a nice warm summer's day. And then just imagine that there's a modern scientist, modernize this, imagine there's a drone camera that's going up from your body further and further away, panning out, going out into space, and then you should just drop off. You do all of that within 120 seconds. Hey, I'm half asleep here. <laughs> so just to <laughs> recap, so this was so six weeks practice. So after just six weeks practice, 96% of pilots could fall asleep within 120 seconds. And so I guess the idea is start practicing it now. And then let us know if you fall asleep in 120 seconds in six <laughs> weeks' time. Yeah, in six weeks' time. Start practicing it now for when you actually need it in a point in time. Very so yeah, pretty long takeaway there for me, but I thought that's yeah. pretty nuts. <laughs> Mine is much shorter than that. I and mean, to be honest, I should have said it after we were talking about the sleeping world record. Very simple. After um, Randy Gardner... 
uh, managed to stay awake for this long. The Guinness Book of Records were so worried about other people doing it and the, the effects of it that they stopped listing records for voluntary sleep deprivation. <laughs> there is no official world record for voluntary sleep deprivation because really? they were too worried that other people would get hurt doing it. So bear in mind this happened in 1964. There might be loads of people now that claim to have done it longer. Ah, But there isn't Guinness Book, work, they won't recognise it because yep. of fear for of people getting injured. or uh, Health and uh, safety. Or, yeah. Health and safety gone mad. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Ah, that's, I like that. Yeah, nice takeaway. Okay. Right. So we've, we've done our takeaway. And as we know now, that then leads us on to listener messages. Have we got new music yet? And we need to hurry up and get new music. <laughs> Can someone please comment that this music is horrific because ollie seems to think it's amazing ah uh, that right. when you think of when you think of listener messages that is the music that that springs to mind okay so i'll go first then so a couple weeks back was it last week i don't know track of which weeks it was we released a pod on wine and then we had a topic expert interview with wine didn't we, with ollie smith which is amazing yes. i was sent the following message by instagram amy burridge she said the following i don't like wine but that expert pod has made me wish that I did. <laughs> so if you've not listened to our, our expert pod on wine, give it a listen because Ollie Smith is fantastic. <clears throat> he was so good. And I think you and I both sort of felt the same. He was just so enthusiastic that it made you and I even want to try and get into wine yeah, a bit so, more. Yeah, there you go. That, I thought that was quite an interesting I, message. I've got one here and we really super appreciate it. People taking the time to write a quick review on Apple podcasts. If you're able to, yeah, it would be, be amazing. Um, we'll hopefully try and read it out for you. We've got one here from someone called Neil Indy and it says five stars. Great podcast. I'm always looking to learn about new topics without having to read for a degree. These two guys make it really fun. Fills in my half an hour drive to work perfectly funny, informative, and educational. Great podcast, Neil. So yeah, thanks very much, Neil. Yeah, love thanks, to Neil. hear that. Thanks, Neil. If, thanks, Amy. Much, much, any, much, much love. If anybody else wants to send us some messages, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. And that about sums up this week's pod, doesn't it? So thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Very much appreciated. We will have an expert interview uh, later in the week, which should be fantastic. Uh, if you want to hit us up on the socials, at Two Guys, One Topic, that'd be great. Thank you very much for listening, everybody, to our topic on sleep. We hope you've learned something and we hope that if you can try out that two guys, one topic takeaway, of trying to get to sleep in 120 seconds, that it, it really helps you out. Hit us up on the socials, Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at two guys, one topic. Thanks very much for listening. Get out there and share some knowledge.